When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Avengers, Age of Ultron is garbage, folks. Is it an alligator or a crocodile? I don't know the difference, and at this point, I'm too afraid to ask. Look at that. That is a werewolf. What is up, everyone? Welcome to Denny Geek Presents Marvel Standing Live, where each week we give you the deepest possible dives on all the goings-on in the MCU, Marvel Comics, and beyond. I'm your host, Mike Chikini, the editor-in-chief of DennyGeek.com, and with me for all time and always, I've got Denny Geek TV editor Alec Bajalin, Denny Geek News and Features editor Kirsten Howard, and welcome back. <laughs> What are you laughing at? You got what cut happened? around in the wrong order, so I was Kirsten for one glorious. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, there's already some powerful chaotic energy on this week's Marvel Standom. Welcome back to Marvel Standom Live. Brilliant pop culture writer and then a geek contributor, Mr. Joe George. Joe, how you doing? I'm doing okay. I, I feel did I bring this mess with me? I'm sorry. I think you guys. did. <laughs> We do have a big show for you this week uh, because D23 was absolutely packed with big Marvel news, exciting trailers, and many more developments for the MCU. And most importantly, I finally got my werewolf, but we're going to get to that. <laughs> I am so excited that we finally have a werewolf. Uh, but yeah, I get the feeling Andrew's going to get more use out of that. Uh, and hey, She-Hulk was pretty good this week too. So we're going to get into all of this momentarily because it's time to tell you guys about Diet Smoke. Diet Smoke is the solution to avoid those, oh no, I'm way too high moments. We've all had them. Diet Smoke makes Delta 8 THC, Delta 9 THC, and CBD products that are perfectly balanced. Their gummies, drinks, and vapes are not only delicious, they are guaranteed to give you that beautiful buzz you've been looking for without melting you into the couch. Diet Smoke extracts their THC and CBD from American-grown hemp, meaning they can ship directly to your door. No, no prescription, no more sketchy weed dealer, no need to even leave the house, folks. Diet Smoke just released a bunch of new products and flavors. So no matter what type of mood you're in, they got you covered. So if you're ready for that perfect high, head over to dietsmoke.com and use code DENOFGEEK, all caps, for 15% off your entire purchase. Must be 21 and older to order, and please use responsibly. And now, let's see what was in store for us at D23 over the weekend, because that was a pretty packed Marvel presentation. Um, Hang where on should a second. We what if yeah. I like having a sketchy weed dealer? What if that, <laughs> <laughs> that's part of the charm, Mike? 
Well, you know, we, we do have to pour one out uh, for everybody's favorite sketchy weed dealers because these folks are uh, in dire straits these days in the U.S. as legalization continues to, to sweep the country. Look, most of the weed dealers I've dealt with throughout my life are pretty cool, but, um, you know, are they always around when you need them? You know, like, do they always have everything you want when you call them? This is where dyed smoke and other fine purveyors of THC products come in. What can I say? Bongs and prayers, says <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. So let's see. Let's see what trouble we can get into as we talk about T23 today. I feel like we should start with uh, Werewolf by Night because it, f- it feels like we are most excited about that, right? Obviously, I was, but <laughs> what about everybody else? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it looks fantastic. Uh, the fun characters. I, Giacchino is a master of composing. Want to see what he does when he gets to doing the score? Great cast. Yeah, there's nothing not to love about this so far. Alec, I'm real curious because Werewolf by Night is such a deep cut from the comics. Does any of that trailer make any <laughs> sense at all? Um, I, I, it makes sense as like, but not from a Marvel context to me. Um, it looks nothing like a Marvel movie or show, which I think they're going for with that that special presentation banner type thing. It, it is weird to me that there's even a character called like Werewolf by Night in Marvel continuity. It, it seems just so old timey, like Universal Monsters type thing. And that's what this trailer is going for. And I really, really enjoyed it on that level. Uh, it looks like a lot of fun. Sorry, I feel like every week I just end up calling you old, Mike. But this also yeah. seems like a good Mike era thing. But of this like, shoe fits. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, like this is a little bit before my time, but didn't like, you know, like ABC or Fox, whatever, just always have like a Friday night horror movie or, or something to that effect. Um, it really seems in keeping in with that spirit. And it just looks cool. Well, and that special presentation banner that starts the trailer, and Joe wrote about this in an excellent article he wrote about the Werewolf by Night trailer for DenaGeek.com. You can check that out at DenaGeek.com slash Marvel. Uh, but what that really looks like is, was it CBS or ABC, Joe? CBS. CBS had like the little bongos at the start. And- yeah. <laughs> so I remember when I was a kid and watching the Muppet show, And like, usually like, because like they would bump that around on the schedule sometimes. And so if they were airing it somewhere other than a usual time slot, that like special bumper would come up and, and it looked very much like that. It had the bongos. It was bright and colorful. Um, Yeah. And it would often be before movie of the week. It would be before like, you know, like Garfield, you know, Christmas specials and stuff like that. So um, that right out of the gate, this trailer had me. And then the Universal Monsters style opening title, you know, like I'm just I'm just all about it. Other folks have pointed out that this is more than just, you know, just to zero in on the black and black and white element of it and be like, well, this is like Universal Horror. And that is very clearly a touchstone for this. But there's a lot of other eras of horror encompassed in that trailer as well. Kirsty, you spotted a couple things as well, didn't you? Did I? I thought you um, did. Yeah, I mean, no, it reminds me of the Universal Horror movies. It reminds me of Hammer Horror. The trailer's been cut like a Grindhouse trailer, which is something I never thought I'd see come out of the MCU. So I was delighted to see that. I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, 
mainly because of Laura Donnelly, who's in this. She's in The Nevers, and she's a fan favorite in Outlander. She's great. And here she's playing Elsa Bloodstone, who is one of my favorite MCU characters. I don't want to be reductive about it, but she's, if you had a Buffy in Marvel Comics, it would be Elsa Bloodstone, probably, I would say. And she's, uh, yeah, she's uh, very, very comedic in the comics, especially at the moment. But um, her father is the corpse in the trailer, I believe, Ulysses Bloodstone. He is in the comics basically an asshole and she has to grapple with that regularly but um here it seems that he's the leader of this cabal who have um uh, gathered upon his death to investigate some sort of uh, relic or um monster mystery and this just looks like a good time i hope this is movie length i'm really excited i'm really excited and i still i I have to. I have to confess. Uh, I I steered Joe wrong in his article breaking down the trailer. I'm like, that's Simon Garth, Marvel zombie. I was and totally like, with you though. Yeah, he <laughs> looks just like him. He looks way more like Simon Garth. He does. He looks like Ulysses Bloodstone. So, I I think that we are a little bit covered there. Apparently, if it, the 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 comments let me know all of the things on that one. <laughs> Apparently, if we had like subtitles on, it says Ulysses when he says uh, uh, good luck. And talking about it, the next day to, to Kirsty, they pointed out that that that's Ulysses. So we, we you got a werewolf, but now we have not a zombie. Uh, that's going to be hanging over or not the zombie, apparently hanging over our heads. So, yeah. <laughs> I also pointed out that when we're writing about this stuff, and we're reacting to it really quickly and we're speculating and stuff. Sometimes it's easy to get um, pulled in one direction or the other. And then the next day you're like, oh, I know I missed this one thing. It just happens all the time. But well, not all the time, but sometimes. And it always sticks in your memory. Like, you know, everyone's <laughs> going to remember that I, that I said this, um, but no one ever does. Sarah St. John is shouting out the Hammer Horror vibes in the comments. And she is right. In particular, the one brief shot of a werewolf that we get, and I'm not entirely sure that that is the werewolf of this, you know, like I feel like this thing is so coy about showing us the werewolf, like, you know, the proper werewolf who is actually named, I kid you not, folks, Jack Russell. I lost <laughs> a $5 bet to Kirsty over this. The one werewolf that we do see in this looks like the werewolf that Oliver Reed played in Hammer's Curse of the Werewolf, which is another kind of fun throwback. But I get the feeling there's like another werewolf form that we're probably going to see at some point. They're like really playing with shadows and quick cuts in this. And yet, despite all these fun horror vibes, they still manage to get some proper MCU stuff in there. The TVA shows up mm -hmm. from Loki. You know, so this will be tied to the MCU in some kind of significant fashion. And I'm really looking forward to it. What I don't want this to be is for it to turn out to be like some branching timeline thing. You know what I mean? Where it's not part of the MCU proper. It's like, no, I want all of these characters in the background of the MCU henceforth, like, and that's it. Like, and I don't need an explanation for why it's in black and white or why things are more hardcore or anything like that. Like, don't, don't do this to me, Marvel. Werewolf by Night. I mean, Moon Knight first appeared in a Werewolf by Night comic. And I think a lot of people are asking, is Mooney going to show up in this? 
Um, but I definitely wasn't expecting to see the TVA. That is interesting. And it does lend credence to your idea that this, this might be like a multiverse deal, really. I hope not. I really hope not. Like, tie this to the Darkhold, you know? Yeah. The, the, I mean, the Darkhold comes from Werewolf by Night, or or I don't remember if it originates there, but that's, it's care. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay, so it, it's tied into that. And so a lot of the first... Um, Werewolf by Night stories are him doing Jack Russell doing X Files y things to try to find the Darkhold. So that's definitely there. There's another character that we haven't mentioned yet who has a lot to do with alternate realities and perhaps the nexus of all of them. <laughs> that that could also be why uh, the TVA is involved. There is, folks, blink and you miss him. There is a man thing in this trailer, which is pretty cool. I kid you not, this character was the star of a Bronze Age comic called Giant-Sized Man-Thing. And I still wonder if, you know, they were just doing that to play games with the folks behind the Comics Code Authority at the time. <laughs> um, it has rough, S rough SEO right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Man-Thing, so interestingly enough, as Joe pointed out, the Darkhold first appeared in early Werewolf by Night comics, but Howard the Duck first appeared in a Man-Thing comic. So I wonder if there'll be some kind of fun stinger where we get we get a our, uh, like a new glimpse at Howard. I'm like waiting for Howard to show up on She-Hulk, but I think like the vibes the vibes are strong for a Howard the Duck reappearance in the MCU. This is good. now that I've gotten my Werewolf, more Howard is my next. MCU Grail. What uh, was the context of the dark hold uh, showing up in Werewolf by Night? Because I, I know I think Jack Russell's dad was cursed with the dark hold, right? In some way. Joe, do you know any more about that? I mean, you, you, that's that's it. He's looking for the dark hold so he can break his curse and be, you know, person by night as well as person by day. So, and then, like I said, that kind of leads to oh, this secret society has the dark hold now and he's got to battle that paranormal thing. And then it goes along and he runs into another secret society that has the dark hold. And now he's got to battle them. And at one point, then they call in Moon Knight to hunt him down. So yeah, I mean, it's the MacGuffin of those stories. It's, it's, it's the secret that's going to let him become a human again. I'm pretty sure that the character with the weird name, like the lady in this, who is not apparently from Marvel Comics, I think she is supposed to be this lady from like the second ever Moon, uh, the second ever Werewolf by Night comic, but um, because she kind of looks like her and she was a keeper of the Darkhold. And, but that character's name in the comic, coincidentally enough, was Agatha. And I'm like, you know what? The Marvel doesn't need two supernatural Agathas running around. So I, I, I kind of wonder if they're taking elements from that second Werewolf by Night story, which is called The Thing in the Basement. Anyway, we're going off on a tangent. We will save it for Werewolf by Night standum coming to twitch.tv slash TV in just a couple of weeks. I am so excited for us to dig into that episode, when it, that special when it drops. Um, I'll just say as a non-comic reader, it sounds like a surprising amount of things came from werewolf by night like you mentioned moon knight the dark holds and then man thing introduced something else weirdly it's like like the velvet underground of like marvel early marvel comics i'm just surprised to hear that 
Flaccid House says uh, they've never really delved into this stuff and we'll have a look on Unlimited. Curious, have you read Tomb of Dracula as well? Um, because Marvel was doing interesting stuff with horror during the Bronze Age. And like Werewolf by Night as a comic is kind of hit or miss, I will confess. But first of all, make sure you start with the Marvel Spotlight issues, which were the actual first Werewolf by Night appearances. Don't just start with Werewolf by Night number one. I'm doing this off the top of my head. This is, I don't have a lot of friends, folks. I'm so excited <laughs> to share all of this with the world. The art in those early Werewolf by Night comics is just like off the charts amazing. It's Mike Plug. So it's basically like Mike Plug doing Will Eisner. So it's like reading Will Eisner doing werewolf comics. It is so, so good. Like they're really dense, like 70s Marvel style writing, but the art is just ridiculous. Um, and Tomb of Dracula is fantastic. We'll save Tomb of Dracula for an October episode. That's what I'm hoping next year's Halloween special is. Um, anyway, getting ahead of myself. What is next on our uh, D23 hit parade today, Kirsty? Okay, so Secret Invasion was supposed to be first. Yeah, but Werewolf by Night is way cooler. So right. I'm glad we started with it. I, I was way more hyped to talk about Werewolf by Night. Secret Invasion looks surprisingly cool, doesn't it? It looks pretty good, yeah. Surprisingly really is the word there. Like it's not, I was expecting something closer to the comic book version. And this looks really espionage heavy and grounded and moody, I guess is the word I'd use to describe it. I mean, not at all what I was expecting in a very good way. I'm, I'm so much more excited about it than I, and I was already looking forward to it, but now even more so. Weirdly, I think I think I remember that this is written by Carl Bradstreet, who is uh, one of the big writers on Mr. Robot, if you guys ever watched that. And um, this gave me a little bit of that vibe, actually. I could pick up on that. Uh, I will say also as somebody with no baggage from the comics, uh, Secret Invasion kind of on paper sounded better to me than the other Secret, Secret Wars. Because um, again, I know nothing about either of them. And apparently one is like, Legendary, legendarily bad and the other one is legendarily beloved this is just too much far up my alley to not enjoy this really has winter soldier vibes yes mm. and they haven't done like they, they, the marvel kind of made a big deal of patting itself on the back for making like a paranoid political thriller back with winter soldier which i'll mostly go along with i think it's fair to classify it as that uh and this seems to be in a similar vein and i just think it looks cool it's gonna be fun the comic it's based on well it's garbage, folks. And <laughs> like, I, it's really not very good. It's not a great comic. Like it, it, it was really convoluted. It was a difficult concept to pull off in all fairness. It looks like the, con the very concept of the show seems a little bit different. You know, when this was first announced, and I mean, it's been what, a solid two years since they announced this. I know everybody was speculating. It's like, oh, well, this is how they're going to bring back characters that, you know, we thought we were dead and they're going to use this to recast people who died and blah, 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 blah. They're not doing that. Like, I don't think that's happening at all. And great, because I don't want any part of that. I want Samuel L. Jackson being the Nick Fury that I've always wanted him to be. And hopefully, Joe and I talked about this. And again, Joe uh, wrote an awesome article, denigeek.com slash Marvel. You know, the MCU, one of the, one of the only true storytelling blunders the MCU has ever had was blowing up S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, you know, so relatively early into the MCU's lifespan. Like, like, like basically destroying S.H.I.E.L.D. as we know it at the end of Winter Soldier 
and they've been struggling with that every ever since. You know, they're trying to like shoehorn damage control into that role now. He's like, no, we need Shield in the MCU. And Joe seems to think this might be the way into that. Joe, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, and and not just bringing Shield back as it was, but bringing back Shield as it could be, as as a, a spy network, uh, and giving the chance to tell espionage stories. I mean. The shield that was introduced in the MCU was immediately beholden to superheroes, and, and with good reason. You know that was the that was the apparatus that uh, Marvel used to bring the Avengers together and to kind of connect the heroes. And fine, but we don't need that anymore. And so now it can be it can be used to tell a totally different type of story. These these espionage stories, these spy stories about uh, the sort of very dangerous secret wars uh, that don't involve Captain America and, and and all those guys, right? We don't need for for the for the fights that um, involve the general public and require you know people in bright costumes. We got superheroes for that. The best Shield stories are all of those things that are dealing with what's going on underneath that the general the, the general public can't even know about. You know, it is that that Men in Black sort of thing. And they, they, like you said, they, they took that off the table immediately. And it was exciting at the time uh, that Winter Soldier came in, especially, you know, if you were watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and kind of underwhelmed with the first season, it was like, oh, this is going to explode into something. And in my opinion, it never really has. And so I, I really, I get good spy vibes, uh, superhero spy vibes off of the, the trailer. And so I'm hoping... That, that Marvel's going to kind of continue this, this uh, finding new genres within their world. And we've got, you know, horror with Will, Werewolf by Night. We've got comedy with She-Hulk. And hopefully now we get thriller, um, you know, spy thrillers with, with uh, Secret Invasion. And uh, Lee points out that he's just pumped for Samuel L. Jackson to finally be the lead of something in the MCU. Honestly, I'm just, I, I, first of all, yes. Like for as beloved as he, as his Nick Fury is, and so important and so iconic that they, you know, that they changed Nick Fury in the mainline MCU, like in the mainline Marvel comics, I mean, to be more like Sam Jackson, like this is an important character who has primarily only appeared for like 10 minutes at a time in these things, like here and there throughout the years. So this is a big deal, but also like, we're going to Samuel L. Jackson TV series. Like I would watch this Marvel or no Marvel. So um, yeah, I went from zero to hyped on this. Um, any theories, anything else, anybody wants to talk about with Secret Invasion? Well, does anyone else get the distinct impression that Nick Fury is actually going to die in this show? <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting that impression. But it feels like when there's just a layer, when you have a story like this, where it's layers and layers of trust and betrayal, it usually ends up with like one last betrayal, right? With the person that they trusted the most turns on them. So I'm a little bit worried for Nick Fury, if I'm honest. They better not. Life model <laughs> decoy. It's an LMD. Yes. It can always come back. I will not allow this. I <laughs> Didn't we ask the audience... Um, which of these two projects they were more excited for? Yeah, we did. And over 70% of people said Secret Invasion over Werewolf by Night. But there's there's going to be a lot more of Secret Invasion than there is Werewolf by Night. So that makes sense. And it's, you know, characters that people already know, Nick Fury, Maria Hill, and Talos. So yeah, it makes you sense. Know, 
I mean, I get it, but I was surprised because my timeline, you know, like the cool kids table (laughs) on Saturday, all anybody was talking about was werewolf by night. Like, like people were like, wow, secret invasion looks really cool. But like, everybody was just like, holy moly, that werewolf by night trailer. Like people were texting me like, yo, that werewolf by night trailer. So I'm, I'm surprised that there was that much of a divide, even though secret invasion is much more obviously like a core MCU story driver, I guess. And this is going to be the thing that kicks off phase five, right? Yeah, it would make sense. And it's going to lead into Armor Wars, which I'm also very excited about. Um, you know, Armor Wars, I won't, we won't go, get into this too deeply, but Armor Wars is like, well, it shares a name with a really great definitive Iron Man comic story. You know, like at a time when like Iron Man comics weren't necessarily like super well regarded in, you know, but like, but people talked about Armor Wars and that was probably like the first real Iron Man comics I ever read. So I'm, I'm pretty hyped about that. Like we're, we're in this real serious, like everybody says it, but it's a myth, but it's like, you know, the old myth about like how the Star Trek movies, it's like the, the odd numbered ones are bad and the even numbered ones are good. Um, But I feel like we're getting there with the, with the later, late, like recent MCU stuff where it's like every other project is the, is the one that lands. And I'm a little, concerned but the other really big thing and i think this was probably just in terms of like things that did not have footage attached to them we finally got our thunderbolts lineup i really like the look of this and the fact that this is going to come out of captain america 4 it really is going to kind of tie together all the stuff that's been getting seeded since falcon and winter soldier and black widow this honestly is probably the corner of the MCU that I'm most excited about right now. I mean, yeah, check out that Thunderbolts lineup. I mean, if anybody remembers ghost, but other than that, like, <laughs> like that. <laughs> I remember ghost. <laughs> yeah. I like loves ghost. I love ghost. Ghost at least has the MN movies have like a really cool kind of like Sentai aesthetic to them that I really appreciate. And ghost continues that. I just, I couldn't tell you anything. Like, I don't remember a single thing about Ant-Man and the Wasp. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is everybody's familiarity with the Thunderbolts? I've read a few of the comics. I know that they were a team of superheroes who turned out to be villains masquerading as superheroes. Uh, Zemo was their leader. And it was all in the sort of effort to... Um, make a splash behind the scenes and control things behind the scenes. Um, but that's basically as far as I got. One of my great comic book regrets was I wasn't reading much Marvel at that time. So I, I went back to it after knowing what Thunderbolts was. But I remember, I mean, I've talked to plenty of people who read that first issue at the time where you know a new superhero team shows up and then at the last page, it turns out it's the Masters of Evil and that was a great, really great reveal that I, I, I wish I could have gotten part of. So yeah, I know that there's, and then the one that this one seems to be drawing from is the, the Norman Osborn Thunderbolts when 
to get when he was the head of shield after the comic book secret invasion and uh used his his leverage to make have his own avengers and then his own uh black ops squad which was what the thunderbolts kind of were and so it seems like that's where we're going here um and i'm i'm a huge us agent fan uh from you know west coast avengers and those captain america comics so i'm just excited to see him i hope he's going to be grouchy and fighting for the lead over uh yelena uh yeah alec i know how eager you are to revisit the world of falcon and the winter soldier (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh you guys aren't going to believe this but i don't know anything about thunderbolts (laughs) (laughs) this is the mcu working working its brilliance here like these are characters that, you know, that we've all gotten to know pretty well. So, you know, I don't think this is going to particularly follow the comic book concept, which, you know, made sense at the time in the comics, but, you know, doesn't really, um, you know, doesn't really hold water here other than the fact that, you know, it's a world without Avengers and therefore there is a, a super team void that needs to be filled and it's being filled by some uh, less than savory characters. I think what's interesting about the concept and I, Look, I'm I, I am least excited about this corner of the MCU. Um, your opposite, Mike. I'm your looper. <laughs> but I do. I definitely see the appeal, and I get how this could be intriguing. Um, it, it almost reminds me of what She-Hulk is going for a little bit. Like when She-Hulk is delving into the the various legalities of what be, having a world full full of superheroes means. Like, what is the difference between the Avengers and any other um, crime fighting team, any other world saving team, what makes the Avengers legitimate and Thunderbolts not necessarily aside from the fact that the audience at home just happens to know that these guys are somewhat villainous. Um, So that's an interesting concept to play with. And I'm excited to see them do that. I I do also share some of uh, the concerns I've seen online that a lot of these uh, uh, members powers are somewhat homogenous and like not that diverse from one another Hmm. that would be an interesting challenge to tackle but i i get it i see the appeal of what thunderbolts could be uh uh, but we'll see how it does yeah well just to answer your question in part is i think the very name thunderbolts calls back to the uh, late great william hertz character in the incredible hulk uh general uh, thunderbolt ross so this team is named in his honor. So they are, you know, certainly going to be government sanctioned, even though they are not exactly, you know. Um, but it is, it is a little interesting. I can see this is, you know, we talk a lot about how Marvel has consistently beaten Warner Brothers and DC at their own game, you know, in a lot of ways. Like, oh, you can't do Superman on screen. He's too wholesome and boring. And then here's Marvel with Chris Evans as Steve Rogers. And it's like, oh yeah? You know, it's like, oh, you know, audiences are never going to be able to wrap their heads around the multiverse. And, you know, and and Marvel comes along and goes, oh yeah? Um, The one area where, where DC movies have like totally buried, um, marvel is is with villains and with the suicide squad it's going to be interesting to see how they're able to make this not feel analogous to that without that comic book hook of these are new heroes when in fact they are they are well-known supervillains masquerading as heroes you know and like dc can continue look james gunn's the suicide squad was awesome 
Black Adam looks awesome. Like, and, and, you know, if you saw the latest trailer, like they snuck Amanda Waller in there just to kind of like tie that back to the wider DCEU a little bit. So this is like the one concept where they're going to have to do a little footwork, I think, to, to differentiate themselves from the competition. I guess the one thing they have going for them is that, unfortunately, like nobody went to see the Suicide Squad. So, um, although apparently it did like great HBO Max numbers. So what do I know? Anyway. I like this team as, uh, you know, a group that will get stuff done that superheroes don't want to do. Yes. I, that, that for me is a, a good angle on this. Um, they're not bad guys, but they're certainly not good guys either. Um, I think that's something that the MCU could could use. Maybe uh, they have to go into Latveria and uh, and <laughs> kick some ass, you know? Like, <laughs> look, because no, because Kirsty's right. Like, this is this is very much like I could very much see this being like a Black Ops MCU kind of thing, and with the stuff that we've talked about recently with the geopolitics coming into play in Black Panther, Wakanda forever, you know, and there's these power struggles between well-known fictional nations in the MCU. This could be something and the Thunderbolts could, could be a player in that. I also think it'll be worthwhile to, um, to, to break the Avengers from the government as well. And no longer, you know, if shield has its superhero team, or the government, U.S. government has their shield, their superhero team, then that frees the Avengers to not be. And I know historically in the comics they often are, but as we kind of head into, I mean, the Marvel you know, Marvel's not going to get deep into geopolitics, not real ones. Um, so it will be, you know, Latveria and, and, and Wakanda and these countries. But I, I think it'll help build up the contrast between uh, our, our sort of, more virtuous heroes, so to speak, and the black ops heroes. And, and I do, I, I think that, you know, that I'm not the first person to make the knock that a lot of Marvel movies are military propaganda. They're made with uh, 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 the help of the U S military. And so this could nudge that out a little bit in a way that makes my lefty heart hopeful, at least. Um, I think uh, weirdly bringing up the Suicide Squad again real quick, which I love. That's a fantastic movie. That was almost helped out by DC's and WB's previous incompetence in establishing like an overarching cinematic universe because James Gunn could just come in with a sandbox and pick whatever weird DC characters he wanted. Whereas whoever is um, shepherding Thunderbolts is going to get locked into some pieces that maybe might not fit. Like they can make it work, but like it's unclear to me why Bucky's involved. It's unclear to me how like some of these pieces fit other than the fact that they're big MCU characters that are nominally seen as villainous kind of here and there. Um, so that's just like one of the areas where a cinematic universe can kind of be at the storyteller's detriment, even though it's fun to participate in, fun to be part of Team MCU. It's interesting yeah. to me that this is going to cap off Phase 5 as well. So this is being set up as the big team-up movie, but we have no idea who they'll be fighting. There are a lot of people waiting in now behind the scenes. So, um, yeah, it's going to be good. Does, um, does Marvel have a starfish? the the bucky question i mean the fact that this is going to kind of come directly out of captain america 4 you know it opens just a couple months like the thunderbolts movie comes out just a couple months later i believe after um 
after Captain America 4. Like they're going to introduce these characters in New World Order, a movie that is also bringing back uh, Tim Blake Nelson as the leader from 2008's Incredible Hulk, which is great. And this certainly poured fuel on the fire that he might be the secret baddie, you know, who hired the wrecking crew back in She-Hulk episode three. Again, I love it. Like, why would Cap- why is Captain America fighting the leader and how are the Thunderbolts going to figure into this? That to me just feels like I'm a little kid and I walk into the convenience store and there's a rack of, com- like not even a comic store, a convenience store, and there's a rack of comics and mom says, here's a dollar, you can buy one comic. And, and I'm just looking at them and, you know, these are not, you know, and it's like, I don't know, Captain America is fighting a dude with a big green forehead. And there are all these other heroes that I've never seen before on the cover with him. I'm buying that. That's what Captain America New World Order sounds like to me. So I'm like, yeah, I'm in. I, don't, I, don't, I really don't care. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna, oh, sorry. No, Andrew is reminding me that we also have to get the She-Hulk today. (laughs) (laughs) And I will save it. (laughs) (laughs) Any other, was there there any other really big stuff out of D23? I mean, we got little tidbits about Loki season two, got some Daredevil tidbits, but like, you know, like most of the, like all the other footage stayed in the room, right? There was also personnel announcements um, that like, I don't think we necessarily need to go that wildly deep into. After D23, um, Kang Dynasty got a writer, another one of my (laughs) beloved Rick and Morty folks. Kevin Feige did troll the crowd a little bit. Like they put the Fantastic Four logo up on the screen and he's like, we have a director and that's all we can tell you. And and as somebody who was 100% convinced that we were going to get that fantastic forecast on Saturday. Like I, I was buying into it and like, I was looking at some of the rumors and I'm like, Ooh, I could get behind this. Like, like I know at one point there was rumor. It's like, Oh yeah. Seth Rogen is going to be announced as the voice of Ben Grimm. And I was like, Oh wow. I could really see that. Holy moly. That's really good. But turns out, you know, it was it was a false alarm. Feige knew he had to do something. It's still these were some pretty hefty announcements, you know. And I feel like we should save the Daredevil portion of that for She-Hulk because it's suddenly relevant to this week's episode. So unless there are any objections, oh, we already went green. <laughs> we have hugged out. We locked in. Marvel stand. Yeah, that. no wait, please, Andrew, stop. No, I have one final <laughs> Fantastic Four take. <laughs> um i think like they're obviously going to announce this at a a future d23 or 24 whatever um but wouldn't it be fun if they just did like a primetime special on disney plus to announce a fantastic forecast yes yeah i mean like what's stopping them from doing that this is the biggest casting they'll ever do until Mm -hmm. they finally bring in Mm -hmm. x-men yes it's, it's only four people it's like relatively manageable just do a half hour special like Give the actors bios, what you've seen them in, like little interviews talking about how excited they are to be Sue Storm. Yeah, you know, and I think that's I, I think that's a great idea. And I think it's necessary because this is Marvel's first family. The entire yep. Marvel universe, as you know it, folks, was built basically in the first 50 issues of Fantastic Four by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. Like just like so many concepts that you are familiar with all started in that book. Like there is no Marvel universe without the Lee Kirby fantastic four. 
And I think audiences really need to have that driven home to them. Um, you know, I remember for a while, like the BBC, remember the BBC used to do like those, those casting show announcements and we're going to unveil the new Doctor Who. I mean, I've said for years that the, that the, the recent Doctor Who shows, like the, the modern Doctor Who is the closest we've come in tone and spirit to the Fantastic Four. And I think the MCU's Fantastic Four should take a lot of cues from Doctor Who. So why not take this as well? Do a, like a 45 minute hour long special. You do a history. You, you, you show people all of that gorgeous Jack Kirby art. You make people understand why these characters are so important because general audiences, what do they remember? That stupid 2005 movie? You know what I mean? The, 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 the Josh Trank disaster, like it's time. Well, I think Mar Marvel's counting on people to remember the Josh Trank disaster and the other movies, because this isn't going to be a origin movie. Yeah. So <laughs> in some ways, I think they are expecting people to remember all that stuff. Well, I, look, I appreciate this not being an origin movie, but the Fantastic Four's origin story, it can be kind of glossed over in a way you know, that gets the story going. Like we do not need a Fantastic Four origin movie, but it's also not as ingrained in the pop culture consciousness as, you know, Bruce Wayne's parents are dead, you know, Spider-Man and Uncle Ben, but it can be summarized in two sentences. So, but they don't really want people to think about that. Like, like <laughs> well, look at this. We, what did we say like every week during Moon Knight? Like, they said, like, this didn't need to be an origin story. And lo and behold, it kind of did. Moon Knight's origin is trickier than the FS. So, um, but yeah, Alec, I love this idea. I'm all for it. Uh, mostly because I'm a big Fantastic Four fan. And if I may get a little Marvel stand and plug in, I hope you folks all watched on Tuesday when I was on here live with Alex Ross talking about his brilliant new Fantastic Four graphic novel, Fantastic Four Full Circle. And you will be able to watch that on demand uh, on our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash us, and on Denigeek as soon as I get Andrew uh, the notes for the final edit that I've been promising him for the last 48 hours. So, um, but it was a great interview. And Alex is a massive, massive Fantastic Four fan and really helps uh, get people excited for these characters. And I think it's another way to kind of explain why, uh, you know, why these characters should be a big deal to general pop culture audiences. Now, shall we Hulk out again? We can be green now. Kirsty, why don't you tell everybody what happened in episode five? Okay. In She-Hulk episode five, Jen becomes the client as she faces down Titania in court for the trademark of the She-Hulk name, while Nikki and Pug try to get her some cooler outfits. Jen wins her case thanks to some smooth moves from her lawyer Mallory and some callbacks to her tragic online dating spree. Nikki and Pug eventually score the outfits, which Jen seems happy with. In the final shot, we see that Matt Murdock has also scored some new Daredevil duds from the same designer. I think this, for me at least, this was the episode where She-Hulk kind of became the show that I've been hoping it could be. Joe, what did you think? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I thought this was the best episode so far. I, I did not particularly care for the first four episodes, so I was kind of dreading it. And this one, I, it's still, I still didn't laugh out loud at any point, but I, I, I found some of the jokes landed better. Moreover, I, I thought that the, uh, I thought that was kind of elegant in a strange way. The way that the uh, 
bad dates came back again. That was, I thought that was really well written and uh, just was overall very satisfying. And like Alex said earlier, the, the, the interesting thing about the show is how it's shining a light in these other kind of weird corners of a world with superheroes in it. You know, we've seen so many of those, well, what if superheroes were real? But with something like the MCU, it lets us get into these strange places like, yeah, there would be superpowered influencers. You know, that makes sense. And yeah, trademark disputes would be a thing. Um, and, and I think the show is at its best when it's asking those questions and giving us those those looks into the weird world. And, and I'm glad that this one did it. So yeah, th I'm, I'm actually looking forward to the next episode and not just because of what happens at the very couple last seconds here. Alec, how about you? I, I feel like I should just take this week off since you guys actually liked it. Like I spent so much <laughs> like, time. time and energy <laughs> defending it. Like I'm, and my job has been accomplished. So I don't know what I should do. <laughs> I thought this was fine. I, I mean, like another good, I didn't love this as much as the previous two episodes. It, the main reason being it also never made me laugh out loud once, which is not that unusual for most comedies. Cause I just like, you know, I rolled out of bed like, threw my laptop next to me and just like watch this in like 30 minutes. This like blinking sleep out of my eyes this morning. Um, the writing is clever and creative in a way that I, I think needs to be appreciated and respected, even when it's not making you laugh personally. Um, there's just like certain phrases that they're able to conjure. Like even the name of the episode, mean green and straight poured into those jeans is, is funny. It didn't make me laugh out loud, but it's funny. Uh, the the name of the legal podcast being Pro Say that she's listening to, and in closed captioning, it's literally P R O dash S A Y. The Boba Cafe being called Bo Ba. It just like there's all these little details that add up to a creative, funny experience, even if every moment isn't completely you know laugh out loud hilarious. Uh, it's just doing its job relatively well in a way that I appreciate. It's just a nice workman like show. Nice half-hour comedy, um, which I didn't think we would get in the MCU. Kirsty, dare I ask? <laughs> um, this was the least offensive episode yet. Um, I found it to be fine. Okay. It, 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 I watched it. Um, but I think we need to address a really hard-hitting question here. Is this the first time the word fetish has been used in the MCU? Oh, wow. Maybe. <sighs> I don't know. I would imagine, yes. <laughs> I can think of a few contexts where it should have been. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. You know what I liked about this episode too? It also just occurs to me now. How good a friend is Nikki? She did the, like, she was going to, she asked for a favor. And within seconds of finding out that she can help Jen with something, she just like threw that all away. She's like, or oh, I'm cashing in my favor right now for my buddy. That's just good. That's good teamwork. That's good friendship. I gotta say, my favorite part of this episode was Ginger Gonzaga and Josh Zagara um, just trying to get uh, yes. that job done. I could have watched that for the whole episode, and at one point, I thought it might be segueing off to, you know, just following them around trying to get this done. I think I would have been happier if I'd have gone down that road. With I them would. I would they watch. Were, they're just spectacular together, aren't they? Absolutely. Yeah, I would watch the whole episode of that. Yes. See, this is where like the show kind of get it like it's a it's getting closer to getting the correct structure of like half hour comedy television, because that is the ideal B story for an episode. Yeah, and I think they tie it back into the A story a little too quickly. 
Um, like I would have liked to have seen them gone and wait in that line for a bit. Like I thought that's where the episode was going with the B story. Uh, but yeah, they did they, every week. They just come closer to just like getting the structure perfect. I agree. It, and it also, it feels like a She-Hulk comic. Like this episode felt like, like one of the, one of the modern issues of She-Hulk where, you know, like there's superhero stuff happening. By the way, Musna just pointed out that maybe uh, fetish was, I'm going to, I'm even going to go so far as to say probably in <laughs> Jessica Jones. I could definitely see that coming out of Jessica's mouth and like that show was not shy about basic human sexuality. Yeah. This show like preempted its own uh, fetish guy and actually included him before he arrived on the scene to be in Google Trends every week when I have a look for She-Hulk and it says like She-Hulk feet is is right near the top there. So, so Quentin Tarantino is uh, <laughs> hard at work. He's I'm got like sorry. a thousand laptops going. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like he's mining Bitcoin. NFETs. What were you talking about? Um, <laughs> you probably uh, want to talk about Daredevil. Uh, <laughs> feet, <laughs> yes. Feet we were discussing hard. fetishes <laughs> and feet. Or shoes. This shoes figure heavily into the episode. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Um, speaking of shoes, that is where we got our best MCU Easter eggs this week from the look of things. There's some fun stuff there. So Pug does get his Iron Man 3s, but there's some Deadpool shoes there. Looks like there's some cable styles. Yeah. So cable exists in the MCU. <laughs> yeah, uh, Cyclops is in favorite. there. Yeah. Your favorite Moon Knight, Mike? Only herbs would wear those, but uh, you know, like. <laughs> oh, I just, I just I'm, that, that Cyclops right under the vision right. one. Ghost Rider, yes. Lee yeah. found Ghost Smart Ghost Rider. Muslim pointed out Black Panther. So this is really cool. I would. I'm not even a big Deadpool fan, and I would rack. I would totally rock that Deadpool <laughs> design. I was going to say, I actually think the, the Iron Man 3s look the coolest, to be honest with you. I could do without the face head. on the back. Like, yeah. I want them to be a little more subtle. I'm glad these don't exist because I would have no savings. <laughs> <laughs> is, the, is that a Ben Grimm design? Yeah. There is a Ben Grimm, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I would totally wear those. <laughs> um, but then, final shot of the episode. Yeah, I'm uh, intrigued by the original daredevil look the the yellow red and black i can't see them sticking with that for born again i think that's just kind of a novelty here but what does everybody else think yeah there's no way they're gonna i mean maybe we'll get one or two moments of it but he only wore that costume for the first six issues and uh when (laughs) when frank miller and john ramita redid his origin they did not use that as the initial costume they gave him that cool black one so no, that's neat. Um, what, and, and I think Mike, you'll appreciate this. What the, I hope they're really setting up here, of course, is another character who wears the yes. red and, and oh, yellow costume, you, <laughs> which is, of course, D Man, Demolition Man, one of the most ridiculous characters who wears the yellow and red <laughs> costume and Wolverine's headpiece. It's just insane. That's where they're going. That's my prediction. The look on Kirsty's face. <laughs> you know how much D-man chat I have to put up with 
that work. <laughs> Open your heart to D-Man. I don't understand what the problem is. He's wonderful. <laughs> I mean, do you want me to explain the appeal of D-Man? Nobody wants me to do that. <laughs> no. It's going to happen, though. D-Man is lame, but that is in part, you know, what makes him cool. Is Born Again like a reboot in the true sense of the word, or is it kind of a soft reboot? I think symbolically putting Daredevil in, you know, his official comic book first ever costume for his first appearance in the MCU, you know, I think, I think this is more of a symbolic gesture towards that. I think uh, Charlie Cox confirmed that it's not definitely not season four. It is, you know, a, a fresh look, like a reboot. I don't buy it. <laughs> I don't like, like they're not rebooting that show. Like, like they're just going to kind of, you know, there's three seasons of history, but they never have to reference it again. You know what I mean? Like, except maybe if they, when they bring in bullseye and I think the same dude should play bullseye. Cause he was awesome. I think that's what they mean. Like, I think it's it's the same Matt Murdock, it's the same Kingpin, and they all went on the same adventures. They're just never going to bring it up. I got to say, this was uh, as chaotic as I thought it was going to be in the opening <laughs> moments, but also more fun. And so that's it for this week's Marvel Standom. We will be back right here on Thursday. Uh, we'll be breaking, breaking down even more new MCU stuff as well as next week's episode of She-Hulk. In fact, Kirsty, what, what is the theme of next week's episode other than She-Hulk? I think it's fantastic for an X-Men next week. I hope you're all excited as well. Make sure you're subscribing to us wherever you're watching or listening right now. And by the way, don't forget, for any of you who are listening to this via podcast after our broadcast, you should be watching us on Twitch. You can watch us live on twitch.tv slash TV. And then you can, you know, interact with us in the comments and uh, bust my chops like everybody else here does. It's a lot of fun. Uh, don't forget to check out our web home at denegeek.com. You can find all our Marvel coverage at denegeek.com slash Marvel. And please drop us a line. Let us know your burning questions. Let us know what you want us to cover in upcoming episodes. You can do that at Marvel Standom on Twitter and Instagram. Give those a follow, folks. Vote in our polls. Send your hate mail there. Whatever you want to do, that's the place to do it. Don't forget, we also have a DC show. Check out DC Standom when you can on all major podcast platforms. And if you came in late, you'll be able to watch this entire episode on thengeek.com or at our YouTube home, Thengeek US. Don't forget, you can check out past episodes there and also wherever you get your podcast. Now, Thank you once again to Andrew Halley, the best producer in any corner of the multiverse. Thank you to Denny Geek Social Media Coordinator Lee Parham for keeping everyone in line in the comments, making sure I have my facts straight, and much more. Go follow our TikTok at Denny Geek TV. Lee is doing really good work over there, folks. Special shout out to Michael R. He makes the podcast version of this show all it can be. But most of all, you know how it goes. Thank you all for watching, listening, following, and subscribing. This has been Marvel Stand on the Denny Geek Network. Until next time, remember, folks, we stand together.